Welcome back to another episode of Your Next Stop. I am the host, Juliette Hahn. In this episode, I speak to Dr. Jane Torator. She is an author, therapist, speaker, and she hangs out mostly on LinkedIn, Facebook, and her website, which is everydaylove.me. Really cool episode. Another ADHD dyslexia individual. However, she went through and got, she's a therapist, she's a doctor, she's an author. So really fun to go through the journeys and the paths, the twists and turns and the pivots. Waiting to hear what she's doing now. Have you ever been listening to your favorite podcast and that moment comes up and you think, oh my gosh, I need to share it? Well, now you can with Picked Cherries. What I love about Picked Cherries so much is that when I'm listening to my favorite podcast and that moment comes up that I want to share, I can take a snippet, which is called a Picked Cherry, and I can send that to my friends and family so they can get involved in the podcast that I love. It's almost like sending an IG or a TikTok available now, iOS and Android. If you're not picking cherries, are you really listening to podcasts? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Your Next Stop. You know, I say it every single time, but I am so excited to bring you into the world of someone that has followed a passion and turned it into a business. Welcome, Jane Torator. How are you? Thank you. I'm great because summer finally started here in Seattle yesterday. <laughs> I know, isn't it? It's been, we've had some crazy weather here in New York. So I just want to shout out to all the listeners where, so Jane is an author. Everything is perfect. Just not me. She's a therapist. She's a speaker. Hangs out on LinkedIn. You can find her at her name, which is Jane, J-A-N-E-T-O. R-N-A-T-O-R-E. You can also find her on Facebook, Everyday Love. You can find the website, everydaylove.me. And on LinkedIn is her, I mean, um, Twitter is her name as well. Those are the main places you hang out, correct, Jane? Awesome. Yeah, except I stopped being on Twitter for a while. So that's pretty much, you can see very old posts. <laughs> that's right. They can get a sense of who you are. But so definitely check Jane out. So Jane, Thank you again for joining your next stop. You know, I love to be able to bring my listeners some inspirational stories because it gets people thinking and stories connect us. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit about you. What we always start with, you know, is a little bit about, you know, where you were brought up. Did you go to university? Obviously, because you're a doctor. Did I say Dr. Jane? I don't think I did. I don't know. Okay, yes, so I'm I gonna, did. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't think I introduced you as Dr. Jane Torator, so <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> so obviously you went to university. So if you can just tell people a little bit about that so they can kind of get a sense of, you know, who you are. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I was just listening to the fabulous podcast with the Anxiety Sisters. Holy cow, I'm just going to put it a plug. If you haven't seen it or listened to it, Listen to it now. It was so good. Thank you. Wasn't that good? That was really fun. They they have a cool story. Yeah. And one of the things I love that came up again and again is it's so helpful to know we're not alone. And that's why storytelling is so powerful because it gets deep in us. Oh, I'm not the only one. Right. So as I was listening, I'm like, yeah, that that's me. Yeah, that's that's me too. That's me too. So I grew up (laughs) in Pennsylvania and I grew up like they were talking about when they first realized they were anxious. I first realized I was anxious in my late forties. I thought, I thought what I was doing was normal. I didn't know everybody else wasn't going, what's that? What's that? What's that? What happened there? What? You know, that constant hypervigilance. So I just took that through my life. I grew up in Pennsylvania and then my parents divorced and I moved to Michigan with my mom. And it was so 
different coming from a very small rural, very small rural place in Pennsylvania where school closed during hunting opening day of hunting season because nobody (laughs) would be in school. And then to move right outside of Detroit. And I'm like, this is a very different environment. So it was wonderful because I got to see just how our experience shapes how we see life. And I was just gone, you know, it was like almost 180 experience for me. So I love that because it gave me a greater understanding of people who haven't had a lot of change in life and people who've had a great change in life. So then I went to um, Carleton College, very tiny, small liberal arts college, because my sister went there. I'm so lucky she chose a good college because I went to visit her during, you know, I was a, I was like a, you know, freshman in high school and I yeah. went and had, I had beer and I had brownies <laughs> and I thought, I'm going here. This place is fun. So this is how I made my decision, right? <laughs> so funny. A good decision though. I mean, especially when you're a freshman in high school, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. And it was a fabulous place for me. It was so fabulous. I mean, it was super smart people, but everybody was also very individualistic and there wasn't a lot of competition. And since I also had, you know, ADHD and dyslexia, I, you know, I was different, but everybody was different. So, um, and there were super smart people there, but there were also a lot of people who also struggled. There were people who seemed like they just sailed on through and studying was easy. And I would study the night before the test. Right. My studying consisted of all nighters because that's the only time I could get motivated to do it when I was scared witless. Or I turn it in late. So with that success in academia, I decided to go to grad school. (laughs) (laughs) But that was after five years because I, the, the quote I wrote on my senior yearbook was papers are the bane of my life. And I was an English major. So all I did was papers and they were literally the bane of my life. So all my friends are going to grad school and I'm like, oh, hell no, there's no, that's, that was too hard, too much torture. But then I was working in New York City in advertising and my sister dragged our family to a family therapist. And she started the story with this. She started the session with this story. She's like, my job is to put myself out of business. And I'm like, what? That's crazy. Like, I'm in the advertising trying to sell people a bike. Like, I'm like, that's crazy. She said, well, I mean, I didn't say that out loud. But right. she said, the more families I help, If they go on to have partners and kids, those families would be healthier. And then if they go on to have partners and kids, those families would be healthier. And she said, pretty soon health will spread around the world and I'll be out of a job. And I I love that. But I love that mindset. It's a really cool mindset, though. It's a really cool mindset. And I in that session, I said to myself, I'm quitting advertising, which I sucked at, and I'm going to become a therapist. So that's what I I did. So I went back to grad school. And you know what, what's so cool about your story? Cause I remember when we talked, you know, my listeners know, you know, I touch base and just hear a little bit, you know, see how our energies kind of flow because I have high energy, obviously my dyslexia, my ADHD, and we really connected on that. And what I also want people to hear is we, and they know my story. I didn't let that tell my, you know, that was a part of my story. It wasn't, it didn't define me. And exactly with you, you're like, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to become a therapist because you had an experience that changed your life. So that's what I always say to the listeners and my clients and people think about experiences that you had when you were younger that really stand out. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad, but sometimes it's not 
just a memory. It's really a, also a feeling. And then that feeling, sometimes you can kind of get that memory. So I love that you were like, you know what, this is what I want to do because it really kind of, you know, it, this touched me, this changed me. So you went to grad school and then from there, obviously studied and became a therapist. Take us through that a little bit. Well, um, that I didn't learn I had ADHD till I was writing my dissertation. So (laughs) unmedicated ADHD trying to get through school. And I think we shared this in our last talk, but, um, I was literally writing my dissertation and I'd gone to a therapist earlier on in my grad school career because I was really depressed. And, um, she said, are you interested in medication? I'm like, no, because if I take medication, then I won't know it's me that, that healed myself Which, oh my goodness, poor, right. poor little woman I was. So, um, as I was writing my dissertation, I was severely depressed again. And I was working at working it for two years. I was trying to get out of depression and I went back to her and she said, I know, I know you don't want to do medication. I'm like, Oh yes, yes, please. I do. I really do. I do. I do. I do. <laughs> I, was, right. I was like, I was tapped. I'd, I'd done everything I could. And it was, <sighs> I'm not saying medication is for everybody and I'm not saying people should take it or should not take it. But for me in that time, it made me feel like, oh, this is how other people study. They can sit down and they can just focus and they can read and they can write papers and then they get up and they're done. And they can, it was, they don't have to wait to the last minute to, it was like, a miracle. A miracle. No. So I, did we talk about that? Because I think like I was never on medicine until I went to college. And then I did, I remember saying to my mom, I can't get through this. Like, I just can't yeah. get through it. I'm going to leave school. And she was like, no, you're not. And I happened to see a show about ADHD. And I said that she's like, yes, I know that's what you have. She's like, All right, you know, let's talk to a doctor. And I did. I took ADHD medicine probably for eight years. And then mm-hmm. when I got pregnant with my first child, I stopped because it's, you know, you can't take that, those, that kind of medicine when you're pregnant. Yeah. And then I never went back. And then I turned to homeopathy. And so my yes. family, we all, you know, turned to homeopathy, which really works for me. So when I talk to a lot of people, it's, I'm not against medicine. It just needs to be prescribed it, very specifically. And that's why I, I would never choose myself to do it for my children until they're of age where they know their body. They're already right. through puberty because we don't know the side effects. However, there are some people, you know, families that I know that are different. They want, you know, their child to be on it. You know, it just always think about the kid that's sitting in the class that's doesn't have attention deficit, maybe just acts out and the parents, you know, are told it has AD, yeah. he has AD or she has ADHD and they're medi- you know, medicating them and they're zombies because they're not who they are. When I took the ADHD meds, I didn't change. I just was able to focus and, and I actually didn't have to study, which was really cool. And that's when I got on the honor roll in college. I was like, this is so bizarre. I've oh, never know, experienced. Right? <laughs> and then I realized, oh wait, I'm actually smart. And, and really smart. I just learned different. And so that's, you know, so it, it is one of those things, but you know, people will say, well, how come, you know, some of your children, um, specifically, you know, what, what, what do you think about meds? And I said, I just specifically wouldn't give it to them when they're underdeveloped, but that's just me. And so, but, and also we found homeopathy, which really works. Like you would yeah. never like teach, would never even know that, you know, one of my children has ADHD that like they would, they are like, wait, what? And I'm like, I know, but it's because it's controlled with right. 
natural medicine. So that's the thing. People need to make that decision themselves. Yep. And it really is. You have to also know your body. You need to know because even if you, it, their levels are just different and it can be dangerous if you do, you know, if you're not going to someone that understands it. So there's many different factors, but I love that you said that. And, you know, I love that you fi- figured something out that worked. So yeah. um, please continue. Yeah. Yeah. And like you, I also got off of it because I started developing tremors and I'm like, Oh yeah, no, that's probably not a good sign. So I found other ways, which I'm very grateful for. Um, but what really, and so it was that point I went, Oh, I'm not lazy. It's something happening in my brain. Right. Which was a great gift. Cause I was like, I'm smart. Well, I like, why can't I just sit down and do this? It was like all those nasty messages we give ourselves. But, um, also on the positive side, I know how to get through a lot of hard stuff, right? I had to learn major coping skills to get through college, like just any school. I did a lot of school and I got through almost all of it without medication. So, I mean, that's one of the, one of the things I love about many of my friends is they've gone through some sort of, um, I don't want to say trauma necessarily, but really difficult situation in life. And they've come through and, when we do that, and once again, I'm not saying you can't medicate your kids or you can't do homeopathy. Or any, all I'm saying is there are always right. gifts in whatever we choose. Yes. And, f- and for me, it's I can do really hard things. I've done it. I did it for years. So I just did this with scuba diving. I just learned to scuba dive in the Puget Sound where visibility was one and a half to three feet. I love that. But so, but the thing is that I think is really cool. And this message does come across with a lot of my, my guests that either have struggled in some sense is that we have failed so many times because of yes. you know, our struggles in school that it's not something we're scared of. So like, I really like if people talk about like, Oh, people are scared of failure. I have no scare, like no fear of failure. I don't think of failure. When I think of failure, I think, okay, it's going to be a learning experience because I know like even just starting your own business, learning to podcast, I'm going to make mistakes. Like, right. I'm going to forget to push record or I'm going to, but I don't look at it as, oh my gosh, I'm dumb. Or that was bad. I learned, okay, that was something I need to like really focus and write down. Okay. Don't forget to do these steps. And then as you learn them, you continue. So it is a really kind of cool thing. And I know like with my other two children that don't struggle as much. There's times as they were growing up, I would think, oh, they need to struggle more because it's, you know, they're not going to learn the same things. And I feel like that's a positive that I learned. So I love that you scuba dived and, you know, you jumped right into that. I wouldn't say that. I now know what a panic attack feels like. (laughs) (laughs) When, When I couldn't see anything, I was like literally one and a half feet out on my first day. It was green mush. And I thought I'm sitting here underwater breathing by some miracle. I don't quite know how. And I, so it was really fascinating. It gives me great respect for those people who go like into dark rooms for a week with no stimulation. I'm like, right. bless you, man. I, I'm, my brain goes wacko with no stimulation. So, but I was also like, I can do hard things. You can do this, Jane. And now you know what a panic attack feels like. That's going to be great when you work with your clients, right? Right. <laughs> There's always a positive. (laughs) Right. So, so yeah, so I got through grad school and then I didn't have the courage to start my own business. So I went into academia instead and I did research. And then after a while, I'm like this, I don't, I mean, I loved it. It was super fun. I was doing statistics and project management and it was super fun and doing studies, but it didn't wake up in the morning going, I am so excited to get to work today. 
Right. I'm making a difference in the world. So I was working on a project and it, it was ending and I thought, well, now's the time. This is a, I either get a new project management job and do more research or I jump into therapy. So I did it. I just like, well, I can do hard things. I can do this. And it was really hard. It was the heart was way harder than scuba diving. It was, <laughs> it brought all, all my self doubt, all my questioning, all my self worth up because I was doing everything new. Right. But I did it. And you know, it was a long road, but I now know I can build a business and I'm pivoting again. And I'm like, well, I can do it. It's, it's scary. I, I'm learning new things. I'm not on this tried and true road, but I can do that too. Right. Cause how long were you, uh, I mean, I know you still have clients as well, but how yes. long did you, uh, were you a therapist with a, a private practice? Uh, 18 years now. Yeah. Which is yeah. really cool. And I know you said that you felt your calling to really start speaking and really go on stage and really helping people in that aspect too. So yeah. tell yeah. us a little bit like when you figured that out, okay, you saw that you could create your, your practice, you have a successful practice, you know, 18 years. Um, what are some of the things that you now, like when, when was the calling? When was it like, okay, I need to now think about something else. And it's not because we can, you know, when, when you have ADHD, but really everyone, and I hate like just putting a label on it, but you get antsy, right? It's like, okay, yes. I want something new. And it's, when is that a really the time to do something new or when is it that you need to stick, con you just continue to stick out what you're doing? Right. And so I think there's a very fine line with that. And that's hard, and especially people that are impulsive that, yeah. you know, <laughs> always want that change or their brain <laughs> wants the stimulation. It's hard to sometimes be like, okay, but that's where I always go back that, you know, and I believe in, in God, but whether you believe in the universe or God, mm -hmm. what, where are you getting those messages? Like, what is it? You might be antsy, but where is, you know, kind of where are you getting those feelings? What's happening in front of you? Pay attention. Like when you're antsy and you're feeling like the struggle is the most important time to really try to get that time into daydream, to walk, to listen, yeah. to kind of see what's around you, to see, okay, it's actually time for me to pivot or it's actually time for me to dig in and focus. Yeah. I love that you just said that because one of the things I've been working with my clients and me always, because I always do work on myself that I pass on to my clients but I've really just started noticing where culture pushing, do this. You got, what's your goal? What go for your goal? Do it, do it this way. And the older I get, the older I, the more I realize a lot of the stuff doesn't work for me. For right. me, it's when I feel called. It's when mm -hmm. I feel pulled to something. That's when it's like, now yes. is the time. Otherwise it's that. like my ego going, you should do this. And these external messages about what I should do. But when my heart goes, or I just feel that it's literally, I feel like a pull more this a pulled towards that. So it's a, it's kind of an expanding feeling versus you should is a contracting feeling. Yeah. So I can't wait to the pull expansion. But what happened is I, it took me 10 years to build a full private practice, private pay. I got off insurance. So people just pay me and it's all good. I don't have to deal with insurance. And I'm forever grateful that I made that decision. <laughs> right. So then I had a full private practice. It took me 10 years to do all that. And then six months later, I'm like, well, gosh, that that's kind of cool. Now what? And it was this pull. I wanted to reach more people because I can only see 18 to 20 people a week as a therapist. I'm like, I got really good stuff. I want to, I want to share it. I mean, I want more, like the therapist that started me on this journey. 
I want to, I want the world to be healthy. Right. The more people I touch with the stuff that I've struggled with and figured out and read and learned and blah, 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 the more I can spend that out, the healthier people are. And then they'll spread it out. And pretty soon we're all out of a job. Right. I so, love that. Yeah. So it was, I was full and I was like, yay, that's done. Yay me. More, more people, please. So that's right. when I wrote the book and that's when, yeah, I just decided I just want to be on a bigger stage. Right. Which is really cool because that's what, you know, God put you on this earth to take. And that's what I always say to people. You have to think about your steps. Everything that you do is a stepping stone. Sometimes people Mm -hmm. will be like, well, I was on the wrong path. And I always say, it's not the wrong path. It just is a learning experience that's going to take you to the next path, right? The next jumping stone, whatever you want to call it, jumping stone. You know what I mean? I do. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm thinking of the river and the the stones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really important for people. And that's where I think so many people don't give themselves enough time to really reflect. And, and that's where I think the fear and the self-doubt and all these different things, people are nervous to like give themselves that time to be like, okay, am I doing what I am meant to be doing? Am I feeling called? Am I feeling pulled? But they're scared to explore it. So they just stuff it, right? Yes. And I always say, when you stuff it, it's going to come out somewhere. You can't stuff things forever and it's going to come out in not a great way. <laughs> right. I know. It always comes out sideways at the worst possible moment. <laughs> right. So can you talk a little bit about that? Um, well, I love what you're saying when you said, you know, reflect, take time, walk in nature um, or be in nature, because, you know, I know you're a brain geek. What, when we do that, we let our right brain come on board. In my mind, and I'm making this up, so don't quote me on it. But in my mind, our left brain is more of the, here's what you should do. Here are the ways to do it. Here are the steps. Do it now. Here's the right way. And are you better? Are you worse? It's always judging and critiquing. I mean, it's great for getting stuff done. Right. But it's not great for new things and exploring and expanding. That's where our right brain comes in. And we have the right brain when we're in the flow, when we're in nature, when we're doing something we love, when we're in connection with people. Our right brain comes on board and goes, have you thought about this? What about this idea? That sounds really cool. That's where, you know, I think that's where our poll can come more from. Like, well, why would I write a book? I hate writing papers are the bane of my life. Don't you remember that? Yeah, but I want to, but I want to reach more people. That's a right brain thing. So, and I think we're better people when we have both our left brain and our right brain. Uh, Yeah. And I totally agree with you there. And I know when we first talked, because this just brought up the memory you were saying, because we were talking about traditional school and, you know, how hard it was for you, how hard it was for me. And, you know, I've talked about, you know, with my, my one son, how frustrating it is. And I'm like, honey, you just got to get through it because what you're Mm -hmm. meant to do is not, you know, in this traditional school, like, you know, earth science and algebra, like you're, that's, that's not who you are. You got to get through it, which sucks because, you know, I've never Mm -hmm. used algebra in my entire life or science in my entire (laughs) life after I had to take them and be tortured by them. You know, I I didn't want to be a scientist. And so it is one of the really frustrating things that traditional schools still like public schools 
don't get it. Like everyone doesn't learn the same. Everyone doesn't have the same brain. Everyone has different strengths and different weaknesses. And if we could teach that early on, we would have a lot less mental health in the world. And I truly right? believe that because I really think school is, a, a, is, is, is what it is for people because parents get on kids. You know, that's one thing I always say to my kids, listen, I want you to do the best that you can. And there's things I expect from you. And there's things that, you know what? It, it's just, it is what it is. And we all need to know our strengths and weaknesses and it's important and it's okay to have weaknesses. Weaknesses actually yes. make us stronger in certain things. They help us in the world. So I know when you were talking about that was like that traditional school is nothing about the right brain. It does. It's always the left brain. So can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Um, that's, uh, I, my brain just went blank. I'm like, probably, um, <laughs> I th- how do I want to elaborate about it? As you were saying that, I was thinking, that's why I love literature. Yeah. Because literature is imagination. I when I don't know. I found out that not everybody does this. But when you read a book, do you picture it? Do you see it in your brain as you're reading uh, it? I do. Yes, I totally do. But I'm a visual that like I need to see things to learn. Yeah, I'm an auditory learner. But I see things when I read. And I think that's one of the reasons besides the dyslexia that I read so slowly. But I... I see school and I'm not a parent, so I don't have the firsthand knowledge, but you know, all my friends have kids, but I'm watching as recess is going away and as STEM is the big thing. And I'm like, <laughs> what about, what about art? What about recess? Like we had three recesses, which is probably the only reason I made it through grade school. Right. right. <laughs> like, what do you mean you're cutting out recess? They're cutting out all the, um, the right brain activities. And, and they're cut and they're also like, because it's more like, you need to learn this. You need to sit still for, but those things for a child is not normal. No, it doesn't. You know, the, the rocking we naturally do with little babies, Yeah, that that movement back and forth, the head, you know, if you're sitting in a rocking chair and your head's going, that helps us learn that we learn. And then we do, we rock back and forth and our brain's like, got it. We're, we're, we're myelinating those neural pathways. We'll get that stuff. We need movement to learn. If we could all be on bouncy balls instead of on our little desks, I think we'd learn more. Right. And they, and what they do right in, in, in public school is that's the kids that learn different. They do that for just them, but really everyone would benefit. Everyone would benefit learning the Orton Gillingham way of teaching reading, but we don't, we do it where it's, you know, this is the way everyone should learn to read, but not everyone can learn that way. And it just baffles my mind. And I never, it frustrates me so much. And I've, you know, done talk, you know, I've like talked to people, who do I talk, you know, how can you change it? And it's like, you're literally like banging your head against a brick wall because it's so many systems and so broken in so many areas that sometimes you're like, okay, I don't have a choice to send my kids to private school, whether it's the accessibility, whether it's financial, whatever, you know, there's not one in the area, whatever it is. But I, you know, my oldest son went to a private school for three years and the difference it was like, oh, this is so normal. Yes, people need movement breaks. People need this. It is normal. But even in the workplace, right? A lot, I mean, I think COVID helped that a little bit. But there's so many things that, that are just natural that should be done that people ignore. Because again, they're not aware. They're not aware. Okay, I learn best when I'm doing this. Or I feel best when I'm doing this. It's just like, a, let's not let's have our blinders on and just move forward. Yeah, it's 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 that external, the more I do this work, Juliet, I'm, 
I'm just stunned by what we learn is exactly the opposite of what makes us healthy, happy human beings. Right. <laughs> like we learn, here's how you should read. Here's how you should learn math. Here, you should sit down, sit still all day as a little kid. You should do all the, and then you should go to university and then you should, and then we feel bad if we don't fit. And how many people actually fit? So we're all walking around going, uh, and how many people are on anxiety and depression meds? Because I think you're right. We're not listening to that inner call and we're, we're, it's being devalued. And I get it. It's a lot easier if you're a teacher to have every kid doing the same thing. It's a lot easier if you're an employee to have everybody just going, here are the expectations. Right. I'm on it. Right. I won't question. It's a lot easier, but it's not healthier. And so the more we take back our own inner knowing, our own strengths, being with our own weaknesses, the world's going to light up. It really is. And I mean, one of the things I did when I early on in my coaching career and my consulting career, I did a workshop where they kind of evaluated your brain and it came from, and I've talked about this on the podcast before it came from NASA and it was like, you don't want the same brain in the space shuttle, right? I mean, you don't want that because you want all these different brains and it, there was probably 13 of us and maybe two of us, I'm a direction changer. So I can change direction really quickly. I can, you know, talk about a conversation here, but I can go back to the beginning and I can go to the left. I can go to the right and come back to the top and come back to the bottom. And there's people that are just left to right brains or right to left brains or top to huh. bottom brains. And it's really cool when you're in that and thinking about it and then working with certain people, you're like, that's so interesting. I see how that works. So, you know, the, I, I worked with a lot of bond, bottom liners and it was really funny because I would be changing direction and they'd be like, uh -huh. okay, what's the point? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm getting to it or, or the left to right. Or there's, you know, there's a specialist brain, which is actually a very unique brain. There's not a lot of specialist brains. Those are the people that, you know, want to dig deep all the way to the uh, bottom. They just have one focus and it's hard for them to shift. Now think about those brains because we all have those brains. Think about those in a classroom. Think about the kid that's the specialist that just wants to learn so much about math. They just want to get to the deep core of it. Think about the direction thinker that just needs its brain to kind of be moving around. And a, a direction changer doesn't mean that you have ADHD. It's just, you know, this is not anything like that. Think about the kid that wants the left to right. Think about the Bonabliner kid that's yeah. listening to the professor talk, you know, oh. in these, in these, you know, so it is a really, it's one of those things that I think that NASA is doing a great thing, but I think it needs to be brought to a lot of different places. And it's like, okay, these are the brains. How can we get the best out of each brain? So like teams really should do this, especially like in corporations, they do it in corporations. The team that the, the group that actually worked with us does it. They go around and, and they do that because it's like, okay, you want all of these different brains on the team because you're going to have a much better outcome and a, a better bottom line. If you have all these different things, like I'm a really good at coming up with ideas. That's like part of the, you know, part of my direction changing. I can come up with big ideas. Now, am I the one that's also like, okay, this is how you execute it. No, right. I, no. I come up with a big <laughs> idea. And then if I had an executor, a specialist or a bottom liner, you know, on the team, they would say, okay, that's great. This is how we're going to do it. Awesome. Yeah. Now, I'm, as you're saying that, I'm trying to think of what my brain is. I'm my brain. I don't know if I come up with big ideas, but I, I'm the one who says, well, why do we have to do it that way? Who made up that rule? Right. And why, why is that the way? What, there's gotta be, I'm, I may not necessarily come up with the idea, but I'm like people, 
this is not working. Let's try something new, anything new. Let's do something new. (laughs) Right. No, I love that. I don't know where that fits in that, but I can just see that this is not working. Right. And you're like, we need to change it. So, but that's part of the, I think part of why you became a therapist, right? That clicked for you. And you were like, oh, that's interesting. I can kind of help people fix problems, right? I can kind of give them ideas. I just want to read, I realized, I don't know, maybe about a year ago, my superpower is I see what blocks people. I see what's getting in the way. And then I help them bring it to consciousness. So they have choice. And that's amazing. So that's, that's it. I see, I see the problem. Okay, here it is. Yay. Let's do something. Right. Right. And that's <laughs> your gift. Because that's not my job. Right. You give people ideas, walk, but right. yes, yeah, you give them exactly. ideas and practices and this is what you need to do. All right. So that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about the book and then what, what you're doing now and what, okay. you know, what the pivot is and where you're speaking and how you're helping people there. Right. So I wrote the book, everything's perfect. Just not me. A roadmap for self-compassion or for self-acceptance. If I were to do it now, it'd be self-compassion, but I wrote it because it's all the stuff I work with my clients. They're just ways to just be kinder to ourselves. Cause one of these rules is if I beat myself up, I'll get to where I should be faster, where it actually slows us down. Right. So it's a way to be kinder, more self-compassionate to expand our awareness so we can you know, move to where we want to be. And right now I'm right in the pro so completely new. I don't even have anything set up. So this is hot off the presses. I'm uh, moving also into coaching and I'm, I like to do slow transitions. Um, like I will keep doing therapy and I may always keep doing therapy, but I want to reach, do more groups, especially like women, because women in groups are so powerful, so powerful, so powerful. So I'm going to do that. And I just came up with a new name. You want to hear it? Yeah. Head and heart coaching. I love that. Head and heart coaching. Yeah. Cause that's what we do. We do the brain, but we also have the calling, the inner knowing, right. Our intuition, our connection to God. And I like melding both head and heart. I, I mean, I love that because that is so much. And people, sometimes there's a disconnect, right? It's like people will say, just listen to your gut. Don't listen to your head or just listen to your heart. Don't listen to this. And so you're combining the two. Exactly. And it's like we were talking about the schools. They're focused on the head. They don't, their job is not to focus on the heart. It would be super awesome if there were more of that in there. And hopefully there will be more of that in there. But we are happiest, like left brain, right brain. We are happiest, healthiest when we're accessing our our brilliant brain and our amazing heart. I love that. I love that, Jane. So again, so people can find you LinkedIn, Facebook. They can also find you on your website, everydaylove.me, and they can follow what you're doing. If And do you do virtual therapy or is it just in your area? I do virtual. Yeah. So it's really, yeah. it could be broad. So if you guys, you know, if this, if this episode, you really connected to Jane or you know someone that needs a therapist and you're like, you know what? put them in touch with Jane so she can doctor. I'm sorry. I keep calling you Jane and now I should be calling you. She's totally fine. <laughs> doctor. Um, Cause I had to. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But that, I mean, you earned that and that, you know, I did. Yeah, and going to school, you know, um, it, that is, and do you go by Dr. Jane or do you go by Dr. I, like, I, I think Dr. Jane is much more fun because Dr. Tornator sounds so professional, hubristic and professional. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And professional is not, well, I am professional, I like the humor and the connection and the irreverence. I think that's, that's more right brain stuff that, that breaks us out of our old boxes to to connect with who we really are and who we're here to be. 
I love yes. that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining your next stop and sharing your story. Guys, you know what to do. I say it every time, but you might not need it to hear this, uh, this episode. You maybe are like, that was a great episode, but it didn't resonate with you because you're in a great space or it just, you know, you were like, ah, oh, that was interesting. But there's someone out there that needs to hear this episode. There's someone in your life that needs to hear this because they are not in a great space or they need a little motivation or they need a little kick in the butt. So please take this episode and share it with as many people as you can so they can learn how to change themselves, right? We talked about a lot of different things. We talked about really, you know, being aware of what your thoughts are. And, and, you know, uh, Jane and I talked about our struggles and how we overcame them and they don't define us. Some people need to hear that because a lot of people out there think, oh, that's my struggle or this is my, you know, my trauma. And they're letting them those, I guess you'd say those experiences define who they are. So send it out to everyone, like, share, rate, and review. And we will see you guys next week. I hope you liked this episode of Your Next Stop. Please subscribe to my channel, share with your friends, and join in each week. 